Welcome to the San Diego Screenwriter Studio. I'm Gail Stewart, your producer, co-host, and joining me, my co-host, Raul Sandelin. Hi, Gail. Hey, Dr. Stacy Hankinson. How are you doing, Gail? Great. So I'm still basking, actually, in the glamour and glitter creativity of the Austin Film Festival. It was actually a wonderful trip. But it was tiring, you know, all the partying. And... I imagine, especially <laughs> you, party animal. Right. Oh, yeah, definitely. And one of the films back there in Austin is a short. It's called The Den. It is a dramatic thriller. Uh, is by producer-writer Kelsey Ann Wacker and Nathan Simpson. And I learned that this was sort of a process. This was a pattern that would happen at this theater uh, for as long as it was open, which was 25 years, which I find sad in a way because um, that's a long time for abuse to go kind of under the radar. Her film is a 15-minute short, but boy, does it pack a punch. Roel, you saw it. You reviewed it. What would you think? It's very complex. It left me thinking. A lot, <laughs> lot of moving parts for a 15-minute film. It, there were. There really were. So, Dr. Hankinson, what do you have? Trauma narrative is a viable psychological exercise, but also a really viable rhetorical method for screenwriting. And you know what? That fits in nicely because let me tell you, this is a a thriller of a movie and it gets inside your head about what happens in some theater companies. And of course, this is based on a true story. Well, let's talk about trauma today. Let's talk about it. (laughs) Okay, we'll have more coming up on the San Diego Screenwriter Studio on KNSJ, San Diego's only social justice network. Welcome to the San Diego Screenwriter Studio, Kelsey Ann Wacker. Please tell us about your film, The Den, and what inspired you to write this psychological thriller. Well, The Den is based on true events. I guess we should start there. But Profile Theater, I worked there for a number of years, and I was really taken by this theater scale. It was so um, explosive. The, the productions that they put on were unlike anything else in the city of Chicago at the time. Um, there was just this like deep well of talent, first of all, that would come and go from the theater. And second of all, just the material they chose would be so juicy and compelling and kind of brave, if you will. And so it was really like addicting. It was an addicting atmosphere to be around as a young artist. You know, that's the kind of material you wanted to work on. And I took uh the class with the artistic director who also happened to star in many, many, many of the productions, the ones that he didn't star in, he directed. Um, So I took that class and was sort of like singled out right away. Unfortunately, the Chicago theater's artistic director immediately started grooming Kelsey Ann. She was young, beautiful, and a very ambitious actress. Like, you know, complimented me profusely in front of everyone else, you know, uh, just made me feel really special and chosen. And then uh, he asked me to be an intern, which I did. Um, but yeah, I was like, you know, cleaning toilets and washing windows <laughs> and stuff like that. The idea was ostensibly just stay around, you know, be in my periphery, like help out so we know you're legit. And then, you know, we can, you know, I want you to work here as an actor. And so it came to the point years down the road, we had a, 
of friendship. I had a friendship with everyone who worked at the company. It was a very small company, and they like to keep it that way for good reason. And so then it finally came to this next step of, well, let's pick out something for you and I to do next year together, starring opposite each other. Let's pick something really good. Um, you know, you're a great actress. I want to work with you, all that, all the stuff we want to hear. Um, and so we did, and I was going in for just that last, like, audition sort of as a formality, this chemistry read with everyone else. And then I got a phone call from a very trusted teacher in the community, um, and she was crying on the phone. It was very dramatic. Um, and she was warning me without a lot of details, which I ended up finding the details later, but uh, warning me, please, please don't work there. I hear you're up for this thing. Um, I, I really advise you not to take it. Uh, and it was a really, really visceral, really, you know, stomach turning call uh, to hear this grown woman, you know, warn you so directly to not get involved. More with producer, writer Kelsey Ann Wacker and the terrifying events that inspired her new short film, The Den. Roel Sandlin and I have a review of the riveting 15-minute short coming up and then later the explosive ending to this real-life story. You don't want to miss it. But first, we're going to hear from Dr. Stacey Hankinson to explore trauma in life and in film, the narrative. All coming up on KNSJ, San Diego's only social justice network. You're listening to the San Diego Screenwriter Studio. We're going to be talking about The Den. It is a proof-of-concept short film that I saw at Austin Film Festival. Unbelievable. You know, it brings up a lot. Uh, abuse of power, mental illness, sexual harassment, quid pro quo, as in you get the job, but I get you. All kinds of things. And if you're a screenwriter, though, you can tap into this literary trauma narrative. Dr. Stacy Hankinson, where do we start on this topic? Trauma narrative is such an interesting concept because it, it spans multiple fields. It, it's a viable source of um, psychological um, healing as well as a screenwriting device that, that lends itself to great content. So you have an, a traumatic experience in your background and you basically, when you're ready, right, you can try to tap into it? Exactly. And it, it yields sometimes some of the most emotionally potent material mm. rather than somebody just writing about good things and cheerful things and rainbows. It, it's dark and it's hard, certainly, for the writer, but it, it yields the most... Um, really fascinating work. And, and we talked last time regarding an example of this. We talked in depth about Jessica Knoll's Luckiest Girl Alive. Right. Yes, we did. And that chronicled two traumas that mm -hmm. um, it, it chronicled a gang rape and a school shooting. Mm -hmm. And when it was first released, the book, it, it hinted at some autobiographical elements to it. it. It said that the author wrote in the preface, to the Ani Finelli's I understand. But later she came out and said that it 
she was reliving her trauma mm. and that it, it actually helped her in coping. Cathartic in nature. Yeah. And, and it, there's actually a whole school of, of literary theory around it. Um, Tony Morrison's the bluest eye is one example that is, is considered um, an example of trauma narrative that uh, she wrote it um, about her own trauma. It, goes back as far as Sigmund Freud. I mean, it, he, he's the an original impetus of, of it in terms of emotional processing, um, dual representation, cognitive models of PTSD. When dealing with multiple traumas, that, that can be doubly hard. When contextualizing it within a screenplay, you as a writer are going to need to think of a connection between these ideas. Absolutely. It's certainly complex, and you have to be really, really good at writing to kind of weave all that stuff together. But I think if you do your structure on the front end, um, you're able to pull it all together. But still, dealing with that trauma, especially if it's autobiographical, is must be very, very hard for the writer to relive it again. It's an emotionally draining process. That is definitely something that is fronted when when about you know, when you're about to embark on something like this. So just know that going into it. And one of the things that's also encouraged is is to share your feelings about the trauma even before writing it. Someone that you trust, maybe maybe someone professional like a therapist, yeah, therapist or, or, sure. or a good friend, mm-hmm. a, a loved one. But but start to share how you feel about that as as a first step. The next step would be to just write out the facts, okay? Mm-hmm. After you just write it all out, from there you're going to mine your feelings about it, which you've you've started to do by sharing them, and and just start writing that out. Now these are all preliminary steps before you go to final draft and start mm-hmm. putting it into actual screenplay format. I, I think it's a wonderful um, and yet brave, scary journey to take this this kind of writing, but. One of the things that came out in The Luckiest Girl Alive is that at the end of the story, by the, the fictional character Ani, by sharing this story, it brought out a lot for others. It, it, gave, it paved a new way for others to share their story. And so I, I wanted to say that there's that component to it, too. Besides individual healing and, and exploration, it, it opens the door for others who might also have similar traumas. Well, it's inspiring one, and it gives you hope. By all means, writers should share their traumas. Use it in a productive, creative manner. All right. As they say, you need to write what you know. So you need to start with your own feelings, your own past experiences. Absolutely. A lot to think about, especially in view of the film The Den. Raul Sandalin and I both... Liked it very much. (laughs) We both reviewed it, and our thoughts about this short film are coming up. You're listening to the San Diego Screenwriter Studio on KNSJ 89.1, San Diego's only social justice network. Welcome back to the San Diego Screenwriter Studio. We are reviewing the short proof of concept film called The Den. Joining me, Dr. Stacey Hankinson and Raul Sandelin. It was a film selected by the Austin Film Festival. 
It was weird but interesting in that it centers around this really controlling theater director, Raul. Yeah, I, I thought it was very interesting. And the, the proof for me is always, were you entertained? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, I, I watched it, yeah. Did, did it keep you hooked till the end? Yeah. And it passed that test for me. <laughs> you know, it was it was very complex. It was a 15-minute short. And I know we've been having an ongoing discussion about short films, how long they should be. You know, one one rule of thumb was always under 20 minutes, and then you would read something that even under 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. So who's to say exactly what a short film has to be? But this was about 15 minutes, mm-hmm. which, if you think about it, is very close to what a TV half hour would be when you take just about, commercials just about, and everything. Yeah. So it allowed the the uh, it, it allowed the screenwriter to explore some things that you might not be able to do in a shorter short. Mm-hmm. You know, you basically had the room to explore different characters, go in different directions, build in lots of different twists. You know, even build in a backstory. Right, written by uh, Kelsey Ann Wacker and Nathan Simpson. And so, yeah, and they both are were involved in the production. They right. were they produced it, they wrote it, and then they acted in it. So yeah, it was. Uh, they, you know, that's at these film festivals, you get that whole package deal where you get these really creative people where they produce it, they write it, they do everything, and then they act in it. Yeah, it's a small team. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's a small compact team. And this and was kind of a low budget film in the sense that they shot the the location right. It was uh, several just a couple of people in the in the cast they did a location in hollywood at a film institute so a theater and that was it so it was very low budget well i was just wondering what kind of genre would you align it with yeah i i i don't know what it what it was officially listed as but i would call it a psychological theor- thriller oh interesting yeah, absolutely I, I would go with that there's hallucinations there's a point where uh it's um reveal that she's on antidepressants, the female lead, and uh, the director is telling her she has to get off these because they're suppressing her inner urges and they're, you know, as if you know somebody who's been on like antidepressants, it takes a lot of their emotion and feeling away from them. So he's telling her she has to get off of these antidepressants so she can, you know, be herself. Which is dangerous in and of itself, right? So she gets off them and then there's, you know, you were asking what genre it was she has some what i would interpret as hallucinations uh she interprets she walks into a room and the director's there and she hugs him and he disappears so i would say that's a but i wasn't quite sure if that was real or not because leading up to it there had been some uh inference as to there would be a quid pro quo here yeah right i mean and if you want the job then i get something from you well she woke up with his, his shirt uh flannel shirt mm-hmm. so i think she went home to him and they slept together right but then when she woke up he was gone and she's in this house you know, running through the the hallways looking for nobody who's there. Right. You know, until she finds the little Roman masquerade. Oh, you cult can't, you can't what, give what, everything away, you spoiler. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I think it works as a hallucination. Yes. You know, if absolutely. It, if, if, if the dream sequence. This was a dream sequence, mm-hmm. and this was just part of her, you know, getting off her meds and having hallucinations and waking dreams, mm-hmm. then it makes sense because yeah. anything can happen in Absol- dreams, right? Yeah. What was the highlight of the of it for you? What did you like the most of it? 
Um, I, I like those dream sequences at the end when it got a little weird. You well, know? you know what? When I watched it twice, actually, and the opening scene that opens with her eyes and then she has the little confrontation with the director in, in the office. office. And then it, she's walking down the hallway and there's these quick jump cuts. It's very effective for this is going to be a weird trip. Yeah, and most of the scenes were very short. It had sort of that psychological horror film feel to it. And the music. And the the music. Mm -hmm. But if you notice with horror films, the scenes are always a lot shorter than they are in like dramas and things. And that's to give it that quick, we don't know what's happening next, sudden cuts, Mm -hmm. you know, surprises, you know, what's happening around the next corner. You know, and there was a lot of that, especially at the beginning. You know, she's... And if you notice, there is, there's a long sequence as this whole setup is played out, but there's surprise after surprise after surprise, which we talked about last like when the, week. Like when the lights go out in the theater, yeah. just, just kind of something weird, mm-hmm. right? You know, I'm in here, mm-hmm. right? And we talked about that last week with the structure of a short film. You always have to have these interruptions and surprises and these twists or the the audience is going to get bored very fast. You know, I was watching the film wondering what was going to happen next, so in that way it was a success. Congratulations to the filmmakers. Yeah, so at the end of it, the ending was really weird because it shows her she's in the audience and she's watching them on stage, but she obviously has this connection with the director who kind of, uh, used his power over and authority over her to begin with. So they almost have this thing going on where he looks back at her in the audience. She sees him from the audience and she looks up at the stage and she's just kind of like watching him uh, on stage. It was, it was kind of like an almost like you've, you've joined the, the, the pack. I think it was just more mind control or something. I don't know. It was weird. It was mind control, but also they had, remember when the director gets the, uh, the male lead actor out of the way and they do the, she, he and the female lead do the romantic scene and they both get into it. Right. So yeah, I yeah. think there was some romantic tension between them too. But there's um, that the other, other woman, there's the other woman who is she's you know the the protagonist is now kind of edging out this other woman right there's I a was, few looks yeah. i was gonna ask about that because yeah. that wasn't for me it wasn't completely developed and i didn't know if it was just me i didn't quite get it or... i i think it was very subtle but the mm-hmm. thing of it is as a woman you know you kind of know those looks right if there's another woman kind of edging in closer to your man and you kind of know the you just know the looks you know what's going on right that was my take on it right right <laughs> and then there was that other woman in the audience that the blonde, looked very yeah. much like her yeah, and i wondered weird. if it was like her sister or a family member no i think that that was just another in a younger version of her i was wondering what that was i think that was another actress that he was bringing in i don't know the next victim who was going to take her place and become the next victim okay yeah well there were some unanswered questions but you know what that's not always bad you know yeah we're learning that that's okay right we're sitting here talking about it debating it you know one person has one interpretation another person has another i think that's a good thing it's funny you should bring that up because nathan scoggins who just did the film What Remains, um, Anne Heche's last film that I, I mentioned in the last podcast, we talked about his ending. And I said, you know, I know that the son walks in, you know, turns himself in. And he goes, no, 
he goes, that's not necessarily, you know, nothing's, you know, people have said that he doesn't. The ending is so vague. Yeah, very vague. So, you know, that's, and that's, I mean, they give you something to think about. You walk away and you form your own opinion. And if you leave the audience thinking and talking and questioning and debating, I think you've done your job. I think that's true. We have so much more coming up. You're listening to the San Diego Screenwriter Studio on San Diego's only social justice network, KNSJ. Stay tuned. We'll be back. didn't want to tell this story as a straight drama um, for a couple of reasons. You know, one, we were really inspired by Whiplash, and uh, that is a straight drama. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to see what it would be like if we took, you know, sort of this inspiration from Whiplash using this true story. Um, But we, you know, it's a man and a woman instead of a man and a man. So there's all these sexual politics that play as well and attraction um that is real and you know puts them puts her in a position where she thinks maybe she wants these things to happen to her um and also we like the idea of heightening it to sort of lean into the horror genre i wouldn't consider the dent a horror movie i would definitely consider it a psychological thriller yes but um as we've gone to festivals we tend to screen with um with other horror films we tend to be you know, kind of blocked into little sections with other kind of horror movies. So it's interesting that people are taking it that way. And for us, it was just about heightening it, not telling the story straight, which is wonderful. It's a good way to go. But we felt like the the material was a little heavy to do that. Um, And I actually think people can attach to it more and empathize more and um, identify with it more if you're stretching it and you're pulling it into almost the supernatural realm. Um, yeah, and, you know, adding these sort of, yeah, supernatural elements. We pull a lot from Greek, Greek mythology and things like that. Right. So that, at the end, um, my co-host and I, when we watched it, watched The Den, we were like, what was the deal with the, the ritual at the end? You know, what happened? Mm-hmm. Was that just her dreaming? Was that, did that actually happen? Was she off her meds? Was it just kind of a, a an illusion, a delusion? What the heck happened? <laughs> What do you guys think? What, well, I mean, what, personally, what personally, I thought that it was just, it was a dream that she had. She was experiencing it. But she woke up in his apartment with her shirt. She goes running mm-hmm. looking for him. And then, you know, she finds this 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 room, this room that, mm-hmm. you know, where this secret ritual is, is taking place. I think that's just an extension of a psychological breakdown for her. I don't know. That's, yeah. what, that's where yeah. I went. No, you know what? Um it's interesting. I, we, as writers, I think you can take even our feature screenplay, which is, uh, we didn't start out with a short. We started with the feature. And even with the feature, I still think you can read it both ways. Um, I think it makes sense both ways. I think it makes sense if this is a sign of a breakdown for her or the beginnings of a breakdown that are due to a number of factors, one being that he, um, I think for people who haven't seen it, encourages her to go off of her uh, antidepressants right. in order to be more emotionally available to the work that they're doing together, um, that he sort of views these these drugs that she's been prescribed as, well, drugs, first of all, 
um, instead of like medication and that they're dulling her senses, that they are dulling her experience in the world. And as an actor, you do kind of want to be alive to that. And I've dealt with a situation not quite as extreme, but something similar. And I just think that territory is very scary. Yeah, absolutely. If well, know? the fact is, is if they're not a doctor, they shouldn't be pers- giving you a diagnosis oh. of what you need to do with your medication, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. And that sort of, you know, plays into his hand because then uh, I think the more off kilter you are and, and the sicker you feel and the stranger you feel, uh, the more you need to rely on this mentor, this man. Um, yeah. The more vulnerable you become. Sort of- Exactly, exactly. So that's one aspect of it. I think the other aspect is just um, a manifestation. Uh, if you wanted to take it into the dream realm, it's she's built this man up to be sort of a godlike figure, which we see him sort of appear as a god, as Dionysus in the ending scene of the short. Um, so I think that it's a signal that, you know, she feels like she's dealing with something larger than reality. Um, and also that the theater is operating, you know, there's a way to take it where it is actually a cult and he is actually Dionysus. And Absolutely. I'm interested in that as well. Absolutely. Um, you know, Dionysus in a modern, in modern form. Yeah. But, uh, you know, if you want to take it less literally, then, you know, this, this theater company is operating as a bit of a cult. Um, it's, it's very picky about who it brings in. Um, very picky about its fresh blood and I think in a lot of ways if you're not going to take it literally then metaphorically she feels like she's sort of being sacrificed uh she's the newest member here and uh there's a lot of attention being paid to her and but she goes willingly right on. she goes willingly oh, yeah she goes willingly and that's the ending absolutely want. I mean that's where when I came away when the movie ended I was like she's in she's in there yeah, right in. Yeah, yeah they've got her so Definitely. what's next for the den? I think that starting out with a feature and knowing that that's the appropriate size for the story uh, has been, you know, kind of a confidence booster for us. But we got enough money to make a, uh, a short in the way that we wanted to um, without it looking too cheap or anything. So we wanted to just use that. And we sort of crafted the short script from the feature that we had. Um, and yeah, it's a proof of concept. We have some sort of like, People that are interested in in helping finance, we are talking to some groups as well, like Movie Maker. We are definitely looking for, you know, to get more creative hands on board. And if anyone is really attracted to telling the story, especially as it is a true story, um, you know, hit us up, I guess. (laughs) That, you know, have you also thought maybe about a limited series on this? Yes. A limited series is actually my favorite format of anything, I think. Yeah, because it, it I just it, love it, that as a platform. Right, it gives you the feature length kind of even more than that, but it also really allows you time to kind of develop these characters and kind of embellish everything along the way. So, just FYI, Absolutely. just a little little no, poke I, there. <laughs> no, thank you for poking. I I love a limited series. Yeah. What else you'd like to add? I mean, what's next? Are you still doing the features of the uh the festival circuit or uh one more festival that we're going to is Mammoth and that is in, I believe, March, April. Don't quote me on that. Uh, feels like forever away. But Austin Film Festival, which is where we got acquainted, Gail, um, that was that was our second to last. And that just happened this November. Um, that was amazing. I highly recommend any, any screenwriter, first of all, submit to their screenwriting competition. 
Second of all, submit your film if you have one. Um, if you have the have the privilege of getting into Austin, please go and go for as long as you can because uh, we we had the most productive time there. We met, you know, the most creative, interesting people, and you know they have this writers' conference too, where you get to go to classes and panels, and all of that was it was just extremely well run. It was it was wonderful. That's all I can say. It was my first time going to a film festival, and I'm glad it was in Austin because it was fun. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, you know. You're spoiled now. I am spoiled. (laughs) (laughs) The San Diego Screenwriter Studio is just about to close up shop. But before we go, being a former investigative reporter, I couldn't help but dig into the real story here. The real story about the Chicago Profiles Theater. And I read several articles from 2016. It's all out there on the Internet. Articles that outline the reports of the alleged physical, sexual, and emotional abuse that took place at the Profiles Theater. Unbelievably, no one was ever arrested, no one was ever charged with any crime, and the artistic director, no one knows where he is. That's a wrap from the San Diego Screenwriter Studio. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, KNSJ, San Diego's only social justice network. See you next week. Oh, thank you.